0: Good morning, good to see everybody today and my wife and I want to thank you very much for uh, allowing us to come visit with you, we always are just very thankful for the brethren here and uh, and uh, even though Mike's here so, uh, but uh, no, we just, uh, we're so very thankful and it looks like you guys are just doing a lot of great work and uh, you got the Baptist uh, baptism uh, ready and you you know, that's the most important thing, I guess, above all else, right? So we can save souls, amen? amen. All right, yeah, that's, we're going to talk something very positive in my studies. Uh, I was asked to speak on this several weeks ago, and, and it turned out this is one of the passages that just really brought me great encouragement. And I, I pray that you will find that same thing is true in our study for this morning. And that it's found in uh, Philippians chapter four verses six through seven. Uh, Philippians chapter four verses six through seven. Let's read it together and uh, we'll just get on our way. Amen. All right. It says here, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So I'm going to be speaking directly about three specific things this morning. The first thing we're going to talk about is having the ear of the creator of the universe. Just think about that. How mind-boggling that is. We have His ear. The second thing we're going to talk about is the peace of God. And then the last thing we're going to talk about is how He guards or gives us protection in our hearts and minds. I don't know about you, but I need that kind of security. Don't you? Amen. All right. You know, I was we were sitting uh, at our house reading this verse and talking to our granddaughter. She's seven years old. And uh, we asked her, She sa- we said, uh, Carly, we wanted to know, what are you thankful for? And, you know, you can imagine what our expectation was coming from Carly, seven years old. You just never know. And without a beat, she said, I'm thankful for my little brother. And, you know, I would have expected anything But that really hit to my heart. That was so precious. I don't think we'll ever forget that. She says, I'm thankful for my little brother, Mark. He's four years old. And he is like a speeding bullet when he wakes up and when he goes to bed. He is bouncing off the walls. And we love them both. We don't know what we would do without them. And I want you to think about prayer for a moment. Think about the power of prayer. Think about the opportunities that surround prayer. You may not realize this, but Paul and Silas, they went down to the river, it says in the book of Acts. They went down to the river. Why? Because it was a custom down there for the women to pray. So there was a reason for the women to come together on the side of the river. And Paul and Silas took that opportunity, took that occasion, and went down there. And guess what? Guess who they baptized? Lydia. So even prayer. Think about the power of prayer being used as a way of connecting with people. And bringing them to Jesus Christ. I don't know about you. I would have never thought about that before. But those are the kind of connections in prayer. That is pretty powerful. And we want to talk about that and other things. Of God's excellence in prayer. So let's just get started right here. As we just read this verse. Notice he says, let your requests be made known to God. I think that's pretty critical here. Let your requests be made known to God. To God. To the creator of the universe. We're given an audience with our God. I've got his ear. This is what Paul is telling me. I've got his ear. You've got his ear. When we go to prayer, God is listening. The creator, the most powerful person that we could ever turn to. He is there working on our behalf. And when I read this, when I think about this, when I look at this phrase, let your request be made known to God. Be made known. I find that pretty powerful. I find that exciting. It's almost as if. Somewhere in these words, I can just see God begging for a discourse between you and him, between me and God. It's almost like we're being invited. It's like we're being encouraged. It's like he's almost pleading, begging for a discourse for you and I to come to him open hearted, pouring our souls out, passionate with what we're saying. Not holding anything back. How often have you done that? Really with God. How often have you made known to God your request? Now there are two passages that give the sense of this word made known. Now you would think that you we would already know what that word means, right? What's the word known mean? To be known, made known. What is that? Well, maybe it's so obvious it's painful, but sometimes I need clarification. And there's a two verses in Colossians chapter 4 that helps me understand that. One of them is in verse 7. And it says, Take a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. And that same phrase is the same Greek word that means to be made known. It says, We'll tell you all the news. So that's telling all the news, everything you've done of that day, and bringing it to God. Isn't that something? All right, another verse couple of verses down in verse 9. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, they will make known to you all things which are happening here. Make known to you all the things that are happening. Have you ever sat down with God and just laid out the day? Just laid out the course of events? Just laid out, just bared your heart and soul? I would ask for a raise of hands, but I'm just wondering if we really go and have that kind of dialogue with God. You know, my dad died of prostate cancer. This has been several years back. It was pretty, pretty painful for him. They didn't catch it in time. And as some of you may know, you may have had friends or relatives or someone that died of cancer or prostate cancer. And you know, those things are pretty painful when they don't catch them. My daddy suffered pretty greatly. But you know, I love my dad. He raised me as a single parent during times when it wasn't the thing to do. (laughs) But he raised me as a single parent for, let's see, I was five years old, from five to 13. So you can already gather that I was pretty much a a hard child to handle. So uh, he was, in my eyes, he, he was just great. Okay? That's all I can just tell you. I mean, I was a problem, even church. Going to church as a young, young boy. I mean, he had to drag me from under the pews, and uh, I was just all over the place. Just, Just a rambunctious little boy. But he raised me in the faith of Jesus, and that's something I'll never forget. But there is a great number of things that I could go to my dad about. Is there some things you can go to your daddy about? I mean, just go talk to him, you know, just speak to him about. I could. There was a lot of things I could talk to my daddy about. But honestly, truthfully, there was just some things that I just couldn't bring myself to talk to my daddy about. You know why I thought that? I thought that because I thought, well, he may just think it's just trivial stuff. You ever thought that? He may think it's not that big of a deal, not that important. And I could be, you know, halfway into telling him all of the things I wanted to say to him. And the next thing you know, he'll just cut me off. You ever felt that way? About your daddy? Yeah. I felt that way a number of times. So the truth was, I went to somebody else. I went to talk to someone else. I believed in my mind that my dad would think. Ill of me. Or like I said earlier. He just simply wouldn't care. Now I'm thinking about this phrase in verse 6 here. He says. Let your requests be made known to God. And I'm thinking about Bruce Kessler. And I'm thinking about. Sometimes I just don't even ask God anymore. Sometimes I find myself in those moments. Where I really don't believe. And I think that's where we are sometimes. We just really get to that spot where we just don't, we just quit asking. We think, well, it's too trivial. Or, well, God wouldn't believe this. Or, well, God would, He wouldn't want me to bring this up to Him. He, God wouldn't care about the things that's on my heart and on my mind. We really don't believe that God will. Listen, we really don't believe that God will answer our prayers. We really haven't developed that special relationship with God. You know what? I said to myself, Bruce Kessler needs to get over that. You need to get over that. With God, it's different. And that's what Paul is reminding us here. Let all your requests be made known to God. And I'd like for just a, a moment here illustrate the kind of dialogue that I'm talking about with God. And I thought back to the example of Abraham. Now, if you go back to the Old Testament, the prophets, minor, major prophets, Moses, Abraham... I mean, they had a kind of special dialogue with God. They had a way of standing and talking and being with God and opening up their selves and opening up their hearts and minds and having a kind of dialogue with God that was meaningful. Now, sometimes it got them into trouble. Sometimes God had to lay it on the line. But they had a special relationship, a special dialogue. And i like to just real quickly look at one of those cases with Abraham in Genesis chapter 18. This is during the time in which God had decided that those exceedingly sinful and wicked men of Sodom was going to be annihilated. God said, I just had enough. You know, sometimes I think we wish in our minds that God would say the same thing today. Hey, God, haven't you had enough already? We're waiting on you to come around the corner. We're waiting on you to come down. We're waiting to see Jesus Christ. We're waiting to sing hallelujah, praise the Lord, and go on into heaven. What are you waiting on? Well, I want you to notice something here in Genesis chapter 18, in verse 17. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? I never noticed this verse before until I was thinking about this. God considered not even telling Abraham what he was going to do, what he had decided to do. It still wouldn't have made any difference. You know, there's a lot about God's providence that we just have absolutely no idea about. God still is going to work behind the scenes. God still is going to accomplish His will. God still will listen to our prayers. God still will be the same God that Abraham talked to, that Jesus prayed to, and that we are called to pray to. Amen? He's no different. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? And once Abraham realized, once God God said, I'll just go ahead and tell Abraham. And once Abraham realized what was going on, notice in verse 23. And Abraham came near and said, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? So Abraham, I want you to underline that phrase. It says, came near. You see, even Abraham understood that there was a time to address God. There was a distinctive time. That special moment that we need to come near to God and address Him appropriately. It says here that Abraham did just that. But I want you to notice something else that Abraham did. Notice in verse 27. And Abraham answered and said, Indeed now, I, am, I who am but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Even though Abraham was going to speak and enter into a dynamic dialogue with God. To try to convince God to save even one soul. One righteous person can make a difference. Even Abraham humbled himself before God. And I think about several words as I describe this particular dialogue, Abraham to me was open. He was tenacious. He was direct. He was frank. He was daring. He was specific. He was also humble. And I think all those attributes are important. And you and I could have those same type of characteristics in our dialogue with God in prayer. We need to establish a real, genuine, special relationship with God. We just don't take the time to do it. We don't take the time to nourish it. Isaiah chapter 41. Isaiah chapter 41. Notice what he says here in verse 8. But you, Israel, are my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend. Even God had that close connection with Abraham to say that Abraham is my friend. You who, in verse 9... You, whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest regions and said to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not cast you away. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The point here is that you and I could do this. You and I could be and live in this same kind of relationship with God. As we draw near, as we humble ourselves, as we enter into that special time called prayer. And God's excellence, God's excellence will be showered upon us in every way and in every form. You see... With God, it should be the case that of all people, out of anyone, we can be open. With God, it should be the case that of all people, we could be transparent with Him. We can be honest. We can be bold with God. God says, according to Paul... God says, don't hold back. Let's talk about it. Make it known. I like what he says there. He says, but in everything, make all your requests be made known to God. Don't you like that? In everything. Now, notice he says, prayer, supplications with thanksgiving. All those are the reasons why we're coming. That's true. But he says in everything. You just let your this God's begging for us to pour out our souls with him. Just let it all. Let it all go. First John 5:13 says, "These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know that you have eternal life. I like that part. <laughs> I mean I just love that. I can know I have eternal life and you can too. And he invites us to, to have that knowledge. And confidence. I hope you have it this morning. But you know what? We end it there and we don't read these next couple of verses because it kind of bother us a little bit. Verse fourteen he says, and this is the confidence that we have before him, that if we ask some things according to his will that's not what he says. I just misread it on purpose. You know what he says? If we ask anything according to his will. That's pretty powerful. He hears us. We have his ear. The creator of the universe. I I just can't get over that part. Me who is sinful and low and in pride sometimes. He says, I have your back. You have my ear. I'm listening. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask. I dig it. That's groovy. He says, we know that we have the request that we have asked from him. And the truth is, when I think about my dad. When I force myself, force myself to actually talk about some difficult things. You know what I found out? You know what I found out? That he did care after all and that he was listening. And it was important to him. Because it was important to me. I just got to say this because right now I'm a little bit emotional. We're heading down to a, a funeral. My half-brother passed away. But I got I to tell you, when my dad was about to die, the day before he died, he just had to take me out to breakfast. <laughs> and I was like, there's just no way in this world. You need to be taking me out somewhere. He wouldn't take no for an answer. So we went. And he sat there in pain. And it took everything he had to talk to me. And those words I'll never forget. Don't you think that the God who sent his son to die in pain, just to get our attention, just to get us in a relationship, just to remove our sins and then provide for us an avenue to talk to Him, that He's ready to listen and He wants to hear from His children. You are given an audience with the creator of the universe. You've got his ear. And the only question that I could come up with after this was. What is hindering me from talking with God? What's hindering you? What's stopping that? Now there's another thing here. And the peace of God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Now, if I just stopped at the first part of this lesson, you and I would agree. At least I I thought about it. And that was, hey, this is so good. We can stop there. and, And that's all we need to know. But you know what? It gets even better. He says, the peace of God. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. And that for me, that word surpasses. Is the same word with which get excellence. Is the same word we get supersede, superior. You see, simply an active force at work in prayer. This peace is that active force at work in prayer that's superior than anything this world has to offer. And I was thinking about Zen and karma, Taoism and all those things, reaching inward to ourselves. We don't need to do that. We just need to enter into prayer with the Almighty God. And that prayer of excellence of God surrounds us. It's superior than anything the world's philosophies have to offer. It rises above the noise of the world. And excels. Excels. God excels at helping us. And surrounding us with forces that's on our side. And He won't quit. So something is happening in prayer that I find just dynamic. You know, I think about Moses. Think about Moses. He speaks to God face to face as of a friend. That's what the scriptures reminds us. It was a special relationship. Dialogue between Moses and God was very unique, very real. Moses didn't hold back. Yeah, he had his weak points. But up in the mountain, around that burning bush, take off your sandals. You're on holy ground, and he would talk with God. But only Moses could do that. No one else could do that. And you know, it tells us in Second Corinthians, in chapter three and verse seven, that the children of Israel could not look at the face of Moses because when he come down the mountain after talking with God, you know what it says. It says that his face just glowed. And it put the fear of God in the children of Israel. You know, I don't know what it was. All I know is it was the glory of God. So magnificent. And so the excellence of God. So superior than anything in the universe. And it was radiating off the face of Moses. Moses. And God wants to take us to that kind of next level. Hebrews chapter 10, let's turn there. Hebrews chapter 10 is a passage that I find very fascinating. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having weakness to enter the holiest by the blood of the Jesus. (laughs) I misread it again. You know what it says? Boldness. I like that. Verse 20. By a new and living way in which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God. Let us, one, draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, our bodies washed in pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering for He who promised is faithful. Now notice he says that by a new and living way He consecrated for us through the veil. You know, we all understand that this is going back To that tabernacle, to that scene of the holiest of holiest places where only one person, that high priest, that unique person could enter in into the holiest of holies and talk with God. And now the promise here is pretty grand, isn't it? No common folk could enter into that veil. Just a special person. And now he says Jesus paved the way so that all of us, you, me, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be the poorest of the poor. You don't have to have a special relationship with Jews or Hebrews. It doesn't matter. As long as you're covered with the blood of Jesus. As long as you have faith. As long as you are given the confidence That his blood has covered your sins. And you are obedient to his will. You can come boldly to the throne of grace. Now that is pretty special. Sometimes I feel like though that we're just common people. And we don't have a right to come before him. He says differently doesn't he? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Notice what he says here. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, this election has got a lot of people terribly... I find people either terribly happy or terribly upset. You know what? The truth of the matter is... We must all come to the throne of grace and humble ourselves. We need to turn to Him in time of help and a time of need. There's no human barriers according to Jesus. No special priests are needed to enter into a, a prayer life with God. Jesus died so that we could speak directly with the Creator. And I'm thinking about this power that we find in prayer, the power of the peace of God that he's talking about here that surpasses all understanding. It's that that peace operates in a such a remarkable way that it produces something. You know what it is? It's protection, it's security. Um, Simply stated, in military terms, it's a garrison on our behalf. Uh, A garrison is a group of troops stationed around a town or territory to defend it. That's what God is promising to do for us. Notice what he says here. Now, that's the kind of peace that I sometimes search for is that tranquility. (laughs) And, you know, it's just right in my backyard. It's right near to me, and it's called prayer. And sometimes I avoid it. I don't know about you. It says, that peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Imagine... That you live in this town. It, it's a nice town. It's a special place, right? It's the place that we live, dwell, and have our being, just our life. Okay? But up there in those mountains, there are marauders, lawless men who want to come in and kill, steal, and destroy. It's like a roaring lion coming down those mountains, seeking whom he may devour. If you don't think that you're in danger, you're just fooling yourself. Because every day you are attacked, every hour that you rest or sleep or stand up or talk, you have Satan trying his best to get your soul. Well, the promise here by God is that He stations His troops. And I don't know about you, but I want the very best. I want the very best weapons. I want the very best armor. I want the very best military men who are on my side. And you know what God says? That's what Paul promises. That He will guard your hearts and minds. He will set up those garrisons all purpose. To protect your soul and heart and mind. Now I think that's pretty special. That is divine excellence. And we ignore it. We blow by day by day. And don't even think in terms of what God is doing. And wants to do. And wants to accomplish in prayer. He says that he will guard your hearts and mine. That's what God's doing. That's what he lives to do. And wants to do. And begs to do. If you will only. Open your mind. And open your heart to him. Years. Years. Years ago. I had. Um, when I lived in Georgia. My cousin. Her name's Joan. And she used to. Uh, every night. Every night. Say a prayer with her son. And she would say. After they said their prayer. She would say son I love you with all my heart. And she would always end it that way. Son I love you with all my heart. And one night as she was about to say. Son I love you with all my heart. He reached up with his hand. And he stops her in mid sentence. But his fingers. On her lips. And he says mom. I love you with all my toys. (laughs) Now I think about that. And I think of God. Who reminds us daily. That I love you with all my son. I love you. I love you with all my son. Because I gave him. I gave him up so that he would die so that you may live. And I'll think about all these promises and all these powerful principles that I'm seeing here that reminds me of the even more of the excellence of God that comes our way again in prayer. A flash This is what you can have and enjoy if you just live it. Newsflash. It's called prayer. And you know what this accomplishes? Be anxious for nothing. (laughs) I don't know about you. When I learn of his excellence in prayer. I just realize. There's no need for me to be anxious. God's on my side. I have His ear. And He wants me to lay out my soul to Him. And maybe that's what you need to do today. Maybe you have something on your heart, something on your mind that you've just been just letting go and just letting letting stay on the pew, just letting stay at your house, just ignoring and just blowing and doing what you want to do anyway. Because after all, preachers always end... The same thing, every time, imploring you to come down. Well, I'm doing it again. Because it's that important. Your heart, your soul, your mind, is that important. And there's no reason on this earth that you can't pour your concerns out to Jesus. There's none. And there's only one reason you wouldn't. And that's called pride. And I'll pray that you're willing to lay that aside today. Come forward. Express your concerns. Whatever they may be. And have this church, have the leaders here pray for you in some way. And begin developing a genuine relationship with God. And maybe some other things. Maybe some sin problem. I don't know what that is. I, I don't know a lot of you. As near as I know Michael. But I bet. That you have problems. And I bet God wants to know what they are. Won't you come as we stand and sing this song.